Welcome to another episode of Make Shit Happen. Today's episode is about real estate. If you've ever thought about getting a start in real estate, you don't know how, you want to start a business from scratch, you want to jump in, you want to sell property, and you want to know how to get started, well, today's guest is going to tell you and show you exactly how to do that. Today's guest is Simon Caulfield. Simon is the owner of Place Estate Agents Kangaroo Point, specializing in more high-end luxury transactions in Brisbane each year than any other agent. Representing over 700 million in property sales over the past 13 years, Simon is solely focused on delivering the most successful outcome for his clients. Simon is known for his creative marketing strategies, intensive work ethic, and highly accurate knowledge of the market he specializes in. Simon's team is a prominent force in new construction, working closely with Brisbane's most recognized developers, advising on current market trends to delivering the best residential buildings. Simon and his team have successfully sold out 11 developments over the past eight years. Simon is frequently quoted in the real estate segment of major news publications like the Courier-Mail, the Australian Financial Review, the luxury network, the urban developer, maintaining a diverse inventory of exclusive listings and projects with a growing database through the place network of over 107,000 buyers and 200 agents. Simon has been recognized as a top agent in Queensland for many years, but it is his transition into business ownership with a team of 25 successful individuals that is his greatest achievement. Welcome to the Make Shit Happen podcast. If you're a business owner or aspiring entrepreneur who is ready to learn how to stop procrastinating and take massive action to start turning your passion into profit today, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Sam McLeod, real estate expert, six-figure coach, and champion athlete. And my goal is to equip you with the exact tools and steps to create massive success today. Let's dive in. Simon, welcome. Thanks, Sam. Mate, glad to have you on. It's been um, quite a journey since we first uh, met each other from, um, you know, starting real estate myself and you doing what you do, me being in the development space. And um, it's been quite a pleasure watching you grow your team and your company. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate it. I thought um, I'd start the first question off, you know, for the people that are listening now that, uh, you know, wanting to necessarily get a start in real estate um, and whatnot. Where did you grow up? Where, where did you grow up as a kid? So, mate, uh, born in country Tamworth, New South Wales. Uh, oh, you're a blue supporter. So, uh, well, mate, technically, uh, if you play for uh, State of Origin, it's the first game of football that you actually play, which was for the Proserpine... Um, rhinos, I think they were called, or six. But um, yes, no, I do have to support New South Wales, mate. Born as a blue, but um, lived in Queensland for most of my life. So moved up to uh, Ellie Beach when I was four and a half and um, enjoyed the uh, beautiful sunshine state that it is. And uh, we progressively moved down um, through the coastal regions until we hit Brisbane when I was 18. Yeah, right. So at what stage did you... Did, what stage did the young Simon get into real estate? Um, mate, look, I've, I've always wanted to be successful and um, whether that's training, um, personal achievements, um, had a vision to be a professional golfer, um, realized that I could play golf, but not at a level that would help me make money. <laughs> and um, <laughs> had, had the, um, I guess, had the understanding to be able to walk away from that dream and just go, look, like my, uh, my I guess my abilities were place better um, elsewhere. So um, did a quick stint out of the wharf and um, I think working um, out of the wharf taught me a lot about time management and um, we were dealing with five to 7,000 cars on the wharf at any one time. Is that right? 
Yeah, so uh, I mean, uh, as an early twenties, um, you, you know, um, young guy, um, priorities were a little bit different back then, and um, you know, I guess you you sort of work to sustain a lifestyle. But um, the call of real estate was beckoning. I had a few friends that ironically always said, "Look, you know, you'd be great in real estate." And um, I think we'll touch on that point later on in the chat today. Yeah, but um, I just had this urge to be able to go and work in an environment where I could be a better version of myself. And um, so I jumped into real estate at uh, the ripe old age of 22 and uh, the rest is history. So who, who did you who did you work for or where did you start? Um, it, look, it's a, it's a really fascinating um, story and I'll, I'll try and condense it, but um, a lady by the name of uh, Cindy McGrath who worked for her father, Brian McGrath, at um, Ray White Chermside was actually looking to find a car. She um, was frustrated because she wasn't able to um, work out where her BMW was. So I actually found out where the BMW was on the wharf. <laughs> uh, we were having a chat sort of one thing led to another. Um, she said, look, why don't you come and have a chat with uh, my dad? You know, I think um, real estate would be something that would be, you know, well suited to you. Uh, one thing led to another. I did two weeks at um, Ray White Chermside. That um, didn't really get me anywhere. And um, it was probably just because, um, you know, there was a few things that were misaligned. I've always been a creative guy. And so I figured that by putting Ray Watt Chermside on my resume, um, I might get a few doors open that weren't open before. So I actually walked back down Brunswick Street and I'd done this walk three weeks earlier and no one wanted to give me a job. And uh, <laughs> I remember all these uh, agencies going, I didn't know you worked at Ray White. I didn't know that you, um, you know, had, um, had basically worked with Brian McGrath. So anyway, we... Um, Ended up getting a job at uh, Coachelli Real Estate, mm. and um, I'd met Albert. He was a 81 year old Italian man that is, was the first real estate agent in New Farm in 1965. And um, he gave me a gig, and then he sold the business to another lady. Um, I jumped through a couple of different agencies in my first couple of years, and I guess that just shows you as well that sometimes if you don't find the right environment, it doesn't necessarily mean you should give up on those dreams. And then I found place and um, happily to say that I've been with this great organization for the last 12 years. And, and when you were starting and jumping between the agencies, was there something in particular that you took and that you learned from these other agencies before you got to place? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the great real estate trainers um, that we, uh, we all learn a lot from, Tom Panos, said, um, talks about a badly wrapped gift. And um, I love it because, you know, sometimes in life, mistakes and challenges are, are there to define you and, and help you learn. And so, um, I learned a lot from, from my first two principles. Um, and I think, you know, some of the things that they taught me were probably, you know, what not to do in real estate as yeah. well. And, um, and I guess that's just, the, you know, the way that you present yourself and the way that you um, negotiate and, and I guess pitch for a property listing. But um, when I came to place, it was really easy for me to understand why that business was so great. So um, it was a good learning lesson. But um, I also think as well that in any business or industry you're in, if you can try and find a great environment early on, uh, it provides a wonderful platform for you to create the best version of you. Yeah, and that's that's interesting because I remember, you know, when I started in real estate, I started in resi like yourself, and I remember, you know, walking in and one of the first things that that took my eye was, you know, how everyone dressed and how everyone um, put themselves out there every day. And yeah. you know, some people, some guys are into the three piece suits, some guys come in in the ruffler and polo, and some guys wear the two piece. And um, 
it always amazed me how much pride real estate agents take in their appearance. I mean, look at you, like you're dressed immaculately. And um, one thing I soon realized is some of the agents, no matter how glamour that they look, the work ethic that they put in doesn't match the way that they put themselves out there. And one of the first things that um, I had when I went into real estate was a guy that I worked with, um, Dean Yesberg, was one of my was my first, uh, I guess, principal in real estate. And I worked with Matt Kiddo at the time. And we had a little quota every day that when we got in and we had to make um, 100, 150 calls by lunchtime. And then we'd come back, eat our lunch, come back, and then we'd do it again. And you'd stay back till seven, eight o'clock. And you'd... was that something similar process to you when you kind of started? Um, I mean, I think everyone's told that you need to make a heap of calls and uh, it's all about connects and the numbers game and these sort of throwaway tokens get thrown at you. Mm. Um, so yeah, my first two years absolutely covered off on that. I think I learned pretty quickly that quality uh, is key and you talk about appearances. Um, your presentation could be fantastic, but if your delivery and follow through isn't, um, it sort of is irrelevant. And so um, I think I had those defining moments as you probably had as well where you met a particular client and I guess they didn't care how you presented but they really cared about the service and the effort that you provided mm. and um, they were the defining moments for me early on in my career. Yeah. So um, I think if you wrote a book about the 10 things of what not to do in real estate for a new real estate agent, <laughs> you know, you would change the, um, the thought process of a lot of people but yeah. you are a byproduct of your environment. And, um, and, and and you follow the directions and the leadership that you get. So yeah. rightfully or wrongfully, you you don't know what you know until you try it. So when did you buy Kangaroo Place? Um, when, when did you start that? Uh, so uh, I worked within the Place New Farm office for seven years. And um, talk about leadership. Like I had a fantastic leader in Judy Goodyear. Um, <laughs> I still consider Judy, you know, one of the most um, influential people in my life because she taught me. Um, I always had a great work ethic, right? Like when I wanted to be a professional golfer, I would hit golf balls for eight hours a day on a range. And um, I guess sometimes the quality versus the quantity, um, maybe wasn't always there. And so, you know, when, when I came to Judy's office, she was very big on, you know, bring the best version of you, you know, provide the best service that you can, don't make promises that you can't keep, you know, um, like don't take no for an answer when it comes to, you know, presenting what you think is right. And, and she was just like, she was a really influential person and one of the most successful real estate agents in Brisbane. Um, so I learned a lot in that seven years, but to answer your question of when I bought place and it was probably a evolution. Um, I grew a team and um, I had a team of five, including myself. Um, we were the largest team within Place New Farm. Mm. Um, we were the number one agent uh, and I think we did a great job together and I sort of had this aha moment. Maybe, you know, if I kept doing this, could five turn into 10, 15, 20? Um, ironically, I've now got 25 wonderful people that I work with in yeah, our that's, organization. That, that's a big team. Like that's not a small team. No, that's, that's so, a big team. so we made that transition uh, five and a half years ago and um, we're coming up to our six-year anniversary, which is a really, uh, it's a crazy thought to think that, you know, only five and a bit years ago, I made this leap of faith to, uh, you talk about business ownership. Like I think I was running a business the entire time I was at New Farm, but to have the responsibilities and, and worry about everything from trust accounting to property management to um, 
you know, HR, you know, marketing, the whole lot. Like, there's a lot of things as a real estate agent you don't have to worry about compared to when you run a business. Yeah. Um, you know, there's some things that can be outsourced, but I think if you want to do it properly, you've got to be across it all. So, yeah, the last five years have been a fantastic journey, but um, I don't think that the first seven years, um, you know, were any less important because they helped define who I was mm. as, as an agent and as a person. And um, I think I learned some wonderful skills in that time and um, that has definitely helped shape the individual that sits in front of you today. Absolutely. And when it comes to, you know, what, I mean, look, like your, I guess your average price point that you're dealing, correct me if I'm wrong, is between one to say 10 million or thereabouts. Well, the, the average price that we would be working with these days is north of three. And um, I guess, you know, we're selling buildings where the average sale price in one building is six to seven million. So, yeah. um, uh, it's not that we don't sell cheaper properties, but you naturally progress into a particular space. Yeah. And um, I think one of the great things, uh, and, and I'm not one that references a huge amount of quotes, but like if you hang around five great people, you'll become great. <laughs> and if you hang around five unsuccessful people, you're probably destined to you know share the same future. And and so, yeah, you know, um, working in a high end price point naturally you meet other property owners that have high-end properties as well. So, which, which creates further opportunity as well. Correct. For business. Yeah. So I guess one of the first things I wanted to ask you is, you know, what sets you apart from other agencies? Like why, why are people coming to you for this price point? Like why are they wanting to deal with you? Why are they not dealing with somebody else? Like yeah. let's say the great, you know, Maddie Lancashire, for example. Yeah. yeah. So I think like one of the differences of what we do and um, ultimately clients buy your energy, clients buy your personality. You can be a fantastic real estate agent, but if people don't like you um, or they don't feel that connection, um, the runs on the board don't always matter. So uh, we've created a niche in the market that really has specialized in off-the-plan sales. And um, I guess I saw a opportunity where, you know, someone that is your parents' age, for instance, might go, well, I want to make that move from a house to an apartment. Uh, maybe there's not an apartment out there. Um, how do I find something that's going to facilitate my needs? So we're trying to provide them with a solution even before they know that they're looking for that next move. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I started getting into the high-end space, I also met a lot of developers. Uh, most developers are successful, own good real estate. So um, that transition um, has definitely helped us. I also think that selling property that doesn't exist requires a different skill set. Um, and I always joke, it's it's the selling the dream. And, um, you know, when you sell a property that's existing, you touch and feel it, you can assess very quickly if it suits your needs or not. Mm. But when you walk into an empty space or a studio like we're sitting in now and you talk about the right-hand wall being the view and the left-hand wall being, you know, the future kitchen and people are trying to visualize and this concept of what they're moving to, um, that is a skill set that requires a different sales approach. So um, not saying that there's no one else out there that does it as well as we do. But yeah. I think we've been able to define a space in the Brisbane market that our history has shown that we've done that 11 times and we've done that very successfully. Yeah. So, so if I'm Joe Blow agent down the road working yeah. at a Ray White McGrath wherever yeah. or just on his own trying to you know make ends meet and trying to, I guess, further his reputation in the marketplace, yes. what would be something that you'd recommend for them to focus on being new in the game? Like, Because I, I hear from a lot of other agents that I used to speak to and, and being in the resi real estate when I started, like I used to hear 
um, the phrase that sometimes it can take four to five years to break into a particular market. So being new, like you have no reputation whatsoever, you know, not much of a client base, um, no one's heard of you, what would be something that you'd recommend for them to be doing? Uh, give me a call and join our <laughs> office. <laughs> 0404. <laughs> so um, I think, again, you've got to be clear on two things, what your vision is and, and like what's your purpose, so why you're in real estate. Mm. You're doing it because you want to be successful, because you want to be acknowledged, because you want to help people, because you want to make money, because you want to understand real estate better, because uh, you want to be a developer one day. Like Whatever your purpose is, I think you've got to be clear on that first. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, you'll hear me reference a lot of environment, team, structure, support. Um, if you don't have a good environment, you are going to struggle to, to have the same level of success as someone that is basically doing the same amount of hours as you, has the same level of credibility as you, has the same number of Instagram followers as you, same database, everything. And um, I know for the real estate agents that might be listening to this, you might want to cover your ears, but real estate agents you know, aren't that important in the scheme of everybody out there in an essential role like doctors save lives and you know um, there's a lot of uh, emergency services workers there's teachers that provide education there are a number of industries that I think are like essential industries and and I mean this in you know a respectful way but like we're very lucky to get to do what we do so I think when you are a real estate agent you've got to understand you've got a role and um, you know fundamentally if you want to be great at what you do, um, you can be a real estate agent in two days. You want to be a medical professional, you've got to study, study for six years. Mm. So to get to a level of greatness, you've got to work in a great environment. And I think to be able to have that level of skill, there aren't um, unfortunately a huge amount of uh, businesses or real estate agencies out there that really focus on training. Mm. And so I guess you know, financially, um, there's nothing wrong with being financially motivated. It's something that drives me to be successful. But I'm more focused on how do we help people become a better version of themselves so then they can provide better service to their clients and then if they provide great service, they get as a byproduct of that financially rewarded. So how do you, for your team, how, how do you create that environment and that support so that they can be at their best? Well, you talk about the new agent starting real estate. Um, you come and work with a lead agent or a principal director, whatever title you want to give. Um, you work alongside me. You see the day-to-day ins and outs of how we manage clients' expectations. Um, I always do the ride in the car when I hire anyone that comes into our business because I want to observe their behaviors and what they do when I'm on the phone and do they take notes? Are they listening? Are they on their own phone, you know, responding to messages on Insta? Um, you know, are they engaging with people? Do they say thank you? Um, you know, just their whole disposition. Like, um, I couldn't care what how you present at that point. Um, I couldn't care where you come from at that point. I just want to understand how you behave because um, behaviors are everything. And mm. so, you know, when someone behaves right, you can always change their their appearance. Like when I started real estate, I wasn't the best presented person. I laugh at some of the photos of, you know, the Tony Barlow two-for-one suits and, um, you know, there was, <laughs> <laughs> there, there was no tailoring back then because you were just oh. fortunate you could get the two-for-one deal, you know. And oh. I think the old tarot cash didn't go astray back then either. <laughs> I mean, Tony Barlow was good because you were guaranteed two-for-one for $350 and uh, you just always got a suit that you loved and one that you didn't want to wear. So, um, but, you know, getting back to the training, it's it's... 
you know, lead by example. And you know the you know the saying like you know um, it's 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 not do as I do, do as I say. Like I think for me, we we use the Wolfpack mentality a lot. Uh, we actually have a training session every Friday, and it's called the Wolfpack. And um, if you've ever seen a wolf pack, there's the strongest wolves at the front and the rear. And um, I'm not going to do my David Attenborough um, impersonation right now, but um, oh, why not? Go on, give it to us. There's 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 one person in my office that does a fantastic <laughs> um, in, in impersonation. But you think about the two um, leaders at the the front and the rear of that wolf pack, and they're the strongest wolves supporting yep. everyone within that pack. And so in real estate. Like we don't believe in leaving people behind, so we provide them with every necessary skill and tool early on. But it's it's a coach it, um, you know, a coaching and, and and I guess learn it all mentality as well. So if you want to be successful anywhere, you need to be willing to learn too. Um, there's there's no point in joining an environment or a business if you're not actually willing to take those notes or or that guidance on board. Yeah, and and that, and that's very important too. Like I think you know environment mentor. How hungry are you? You know, there's the old saying of, you know, you've got to want success as bad as you want to, as you need to breathe. And like that, that's just how um, involved and how like how, how deep dived you need to be in the business. Like you hear the saying of don't, don't dip your toes in the water, like fucking dive in, yeah. like fully immerse yourself in what you're doing. And I think that that's a key thing. Like, mate, there's not, there's not a second that goes by if I see you in person that you're not walking and talking or you're on your phone. <laughs> It's it's just like you, you're yeah. That's why you've got two phones sitting here right now because you obviously got one for one for work and one for personal. But it's it's one of those things. Don't so, worry, the personal phone mate gets plenty of client client calls as well. So, um. <laughs> All the VIPs love it. Um, I think one of the other things I wanted to touch on too is I want to talk more, I guess, about your a little bit about your history and your past as well. So. What's, what's one crazy story or one crazy listing that you might have had or what, what's one of the craziest things that you've ever had to do in your past to win a listing? What's one of the craziest things you've ever oh, had to, to do? Oh, to win a listing? I was worried about where you're going there. Um, <laughs> no, I don't want to go back there. <laughs> I've, uh, yeah, I've had to climb over some balconies before and down some balconies because uh, someone locked us out of the uh, apartment and... Um, that was a creative one. That wasn't winning the listing. That was probably making sure we didn't lose a listing. Um, yeah, I so, can imagine that. Yeah, yeah. That was. Uh, I, won't, I won't say how high up we were, but um, yeah, it was enough to make you feel a bit uncomfortable. Um, I guess, like when you say crazy, um, everyone's got a different interpretation of what's right. And so, you know, I know I've had those listings where you know everyone's heard this story. You've had to drive from Noosa to. Rabina, you know, back and forth two or three, two or three times to negotiate a contract, and you know, you've done some stupid shit like calling someone at some ungodly hour of the morning, you know, who might be overseas to try and close a deal. And like, I mean, I think they're the persistent parts of real estate, but like when you use the word stupid, um, I mean, I guess I've had some fun at times with certain listings, and you try and draw a line in the sand. Like, you know, you've definitely got to go. Okay, is this like? just a bit of fun and silliness or is it, you know, like bending the rules? And, um, you know, it was a few times where we're a little bit creative and um, in my early days, I think I did this a lot, was I would always use um, success of other individuals that were doing it far better than me. So I remember getting one of my best friends to invite four top agents out in New Farm at the time and um, I won't say their names, but uh, 
I told her who to call and she called them and um, she actually locked the uh, second door on the bedroom and uh, just said, look, I've got a flatmate and, you know, they do, you know, night shifts. So just like, you know, just keep your voice down. And so basically I got to listen to all four of those agents pitch <laughs> to my friend. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it was it was the most challenging time of my life because I had to shut up for four hours. So that was, um, that was difficult. Mate, that's uh, creative. I'll give you that. But yeah, so, you know, you call it stupid slash creative, but um, I remember getting out at the end and, you know, she was really angry at me because I told her it would only take like half an hour. And I mean, what real estate agent <laughs> does a pitch in, in half an hour? So anyway, four hours later, um, you know, that, that involved a couple of bottles of red and, um, you know, I was just reflecting on what I'd done and I thought, you know, this is really cool because I know what my competitors say and do now and I don't know, and I wasn't at a level that, you know, I wasn't performing at their level at that point either but I don't know why I got that idea but I just thought like how do I, you know, I guess see how they they, yeah. they do their, their, you know, their craft and what I learned out of it was all four were very successful but they did it very differently and, you know, one was like just, you know, in your face, high energy, you know, almost a little bit overpowering. The other one was sort of like didn't say nothing and almost seemed like they didn't want to be there. And one was like super informative with a lot of information and stats. And um, the, the the last agent was like really good at asking questions, but probably didn't have that like confidence level that two of the other agents had. So I guess for me, I just tried to mash it all together. It's like it's like you know when they say who's your perfect basketballer or you know golfer in my case and you try and take different attributes. So yeah, that that definitely was a wonderful tool. Please don't anyone get that idea to do that to me because I'd be really frustrated. But <laughs> I think you have some closed doors at your next <laughs> listings, mate. <laughs> I'll knock on them. That's hilarious. No, that that that's that's crazy, mate. That's so funny. Um, so when it comes to I guess starting in real estate with you know, being a new agent. So if you had to start your business again from scratch, so you had to redo place all over again in 30 days, in your head, how would you do it again? I'd actually write a plan down um, and, a, and a plan that is full encompassing um, because I think when you start a business, you focus on what's in front of you. Um, you don't really think about the scale and um, I would sit down with someone that's definitely done it at a level that is not only um, better than you, but probably at a level that you want to get to and talk about the challenges of what that individual or that, that group of people might have faced. And then I would actually spitball, you know, that idea with those people for two or three days straight before it actually pushed the button. And so, you know, age old saying, if you want to cut down the tree quickly, well, you know, spend seven hours sharpening the axe and an hour cutting the tree down. And so preparation, um, I definitely had some great people around me when I started business, but I think you just transition in and you're like, well, I'm a real estate agent. I'm just going to keep selling property. And you don't factor in that there's other requirements that might take your time. So um, in that first 30 days, prep's a massive part, getting feedback from other people, I think also being really clear on roles and um, I hate that I can't remember the individual that shared this with me, but the saying was the people that got you to where you are today might not be the same people that will get you to where you want to go next. And, you know, the team that I had was fantastic, but there was one individual that um, was, you know, great, did a fantastic job in their role, but probably putting them into another role that wasn't not only suited to them, but they weren't passionate about. Um, 
although the right intentions were there, it ended up actually creating more friction and problems. And and so I think also acknowledging that you can be a wonderful salesperson, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a great leader. Uh, or you could be a great EA, but you might not necessarily be a great manager. So identifying the roles that are inside that business and going, right, well, who do we actually need? And is the person that is there perfect for that? Um, and I think it's easy to want to just work. It's like when you bring your mate on board. It's like, you know, Sam, come and sell real estate with me. Like, you know, we're good mates, it'll work. And then you sort of actually realize that, you know, it, it might not work because there might not be similarities or you might have different visions. And so I think always hire um, for the role, not for the person. Yep. Um, so I think like they're, the, they're definitely the things in the first 30 days. I also think as well, don't be too hard on yourself. Um, oh, I see a lot of entrepreneurs uh, and, you know, I've got a lot of clients of mine that are very ambitious and I think we're really critical on ourselves. And I think in my first 30 days of opening Place Kangaroo Point, I was so tough on myself um, that I probably made situations worse than what they really were because I was just focusing on what wasn't working and um, not actually going, hey, you've just made this massive transition. What right. you focus on grows. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, great point. And so I think, you know, 30 days is a long time. Um, planning is critical. Hiring the right people um, is also critical. Understanding where your ambitions might take you, um, you know, could be in two different directions. And I also think that plan needs to, you need to actually have two plans in the sense that it's not a plan A, plan B, but it's let's go and do this. And if what we want works out, great. If what we want doesn't work out, let's be prepared to reassess. And so um, in business structure, there's a phase called early struggle and um, it's there for a reason. Um, and then you tend to get into sometimes like a little bit of um, whitewash um, and then there's a phase of predictable success. And so I think also you've got to acknowledge that if you're looking for predictable success in the first 30 days, 90 days, even maybe the first 12 months, it's it's not realistic because everything's evolving. Mm. And um, a good mentor of mine always likened it to when a child, you know, is is quite young and goes from crawling to stumbling to walking to stumbling again to jogging, a little bit of a stumble, and then they finally get a run. And um, it's not, you know, walk, jog, run. It's, you know, stumble, stumble, stumble in between. And so I think that plateau part um, is, is natural in progression of a business. So, so. What I'd take away from that is try and have the the mindset of try not to focus on how can you win as quickly as possible, but focus on continually breaking through the barriers that present themselves and be the person and have the mindset to have a problem-solving attitude. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a good assessment. Yeah. Um, so what what's what what are you most excited about this year with with your business what are you most excited about what's happening what are you doing we just did our planning uh, session yesterday design 23 um, I broke uh, I love acronyms and I love analogies so um, I broke 2023 um, as the year ahead um, down into four key components that we would work in so the first two is identifying two goals in each each area of our life so whether that's work financial health, you know, community, charity, spiritual, um, 
you know, relationships. And, um, you know, I think that's one that can sometimes always be overlooked, especially in our, our industry. It's, um, you know, we work really hard, but uh, it's about making sure that you don't forget the purpose of why you're doing that and, and the people around you. Um, the zero was defined as eliminating negatives and dealing with obstacles. So it's not about having no negatives in the next 12 months, but yeah. it's how we choose to behave with those negatives. Um, the next two was um, finding two areas in our life and our business where we could 2X. And and I chose, I chose 2X as well because I think sometimes if you double what you've achieved in the last 12 months, it's actually a phenomenal achievement. And um, I know there's guys like Grant Cardone that talk about 10X all the time and I think it's fantastic. But when you actually think about the practicalities of it, you know, um, can I get 10 times as fit this year or can I get 10 times as wealthy this year or do 10 times as many deals? Like scale's not applicable. Um, and then the three was the support. So um, who are the three people around you that are going to help you reach those goals? Do you know the best part about last night was we, we got 25 people in our organization and I received 14, 15 text messages from our sales agents, from our administration, from our property management saying, today was awesome. You know, thanks Simon and Jane, who's my office manager. Um, love the effort that you put in, love the energy, feel so motivated, feel like I'm clearer, you know, and just we, we sat down with each and every one of, of the individuals in our business and just got to hear what they wanted to achieve over the next 12 months. Yeah. And I, like, I had that proud dad moment, you know. It's like, um, I guess for any, you know, parent out there when their kid scores their first goal or try and it's like, you know, yes, you've done it. And I felt like there was just this huge sense of achievement that, you know, we'd done something great together. So am I excited for continued growth this year? Absolutely. Um, we're also doing something really exciting with our office space. And um, I'll share a little bit more about that when the time is right. But um, that's just given me a totally different perspective on on what our future looks like because um, this is – I'm 35. So, this is a commitment that I'm making for like the next 20 years. Yeah. So, when you talk about vision and um, sustainability in our business, like we're planning to be here for a long time. Mm. And with a young office, we've got the average, average age of 28 in our business, which is extremely young for real estate. Um, it's really rewarding to know that everyone that's on that journey with me um, has got a space and, and an environment and a leadership vision that they can buy into for the long run. So, mate, the next year is going to be phenomenal. Um, it won't be without its challenges, but as I said, those challenges can be badly wrapped gifts and it's how we choose to behave and deal with them Absolutely. that defines us. We've got time for one more question and I just wanted to ask you, what does the day-to-day of Simon Caulfield look like? What time do you get up? What's the first thing you do? Walk me through. Walk me through all of it. Um, I think, uh, and this is the this is the truth of it, is that um, there is a level of uh, unpredictability and change in, in my day-to-day role. Um, I'm not going to sit there and tell people that I wake up at 5 o'clock and I do um, 100 push-ups like Sam does and, um, you know, go for a 5K run. It's 150, mate. Sorry, mate. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> I've lost touch. But um, I would say that my structure's... Uh, not as defined as, you know, what it used to be, but I think it's more predicated around, you know, what I need to achieve on a day-to-day basis. And I really do take each day as it comes. And um, so for me, you know, sometimes it does involve late nights and I'm, you know, known to be one that sends emails at two and three o'clock in the morning and um, respond to those emails at six and seven o'clock the same day. Um, so, you know, sleep is 
valuable to us, but you know, when I need to be on, I'm on. And yep. um I will sacrifice, you know, everything to make sure that we achieve the goals that we need to. But um you know, Mondays there's a huge amount of follow up on Saturdays. I think people underestimate, you know, how much work goes into a Monday. People go, Oh, you must have a day off and it's like, well, weekends of work and then Mondays back into the grind. So um, you know, seven days a week is the commitment that, you know, we do make good agents. I think um, it's hard to say that you have a genuine day off because your phone is always on. But um, there's a lot of follow-up. There's um, healthy conversations that are always being had. I always like to have constructive conversations with my clients because I think you're always problem solving and it's it's never a tough conversation or a difficult conversation. I just think that you're progressing. You know, it's a journey. Um, uh, I think also with my team, having 14 agents in the business as well, um, they've got their day-to-day role. So being available for them and being able to make sure that we can resolve problems together and get the best result for our clients is important. Obviously, Saturdays is game day. Um, if you had to pick one day in a week to be a successful real estate agent, just be on your game on Saturday. You know, Get up early, um, make sure that you've had breakfast, went to the gym, done whatever you've done by 7, 7.30 at the absolute latest. You know, Wear your favorite outfit, wear your best suit, You know, give yourself a little bit of a pep talk on what you want to achieve for the day. Send all your clients a message and let them know that you're ready for a great open home and that you know um, you know that Sam's coming through, whoever that buyer might be. Uh, just being super positive about what's ahead, making yourself available to everyone, um, making sure that you you know you're ready for um, any of the questions and challenges that might come your way. And um, yeah, I just think that um, real estate is is not defined like ideal weeks are fantastic, and we definitely encourage that in our business. But I think if you don't have flexibility. Um, you know, I, I look at gold again. I, I, like I love analogies, and I look at gold, and gold can be bent and made into so many different things. It's not just used for jewelry; it's used in semiconductors, and you know, there's gold in our iPhones. Um, you know, it's such an, an amazing material. And as a real estate agent, if you're not malleable, if you can't change and be flexible and adapt to whatever's thrown your way, um, it's going to be hard to be successful. So. Um, have an ideal week, have a structure, but um, don't be afraid as well to, to to live a lifestyle you want. And I think if you spoke to Simon 14 years ago, he would have spent copious amounts of hours on the phone and, you know, being at the office until crazy hours of the night. And, you know, the Simon of today probably has a, a belief that he needs to, you know, call it or flip that off switch at a certain time. Otherwise, you just don't stop. Yeah. But um, real estate's an exciting industry. I think if anyone's got the itch to, you know, be successful, be ambitious, not be afraid to put themselves out there, happy to help people um, and, and wants to be financially rewarded, there's no better industry that I could think of, of you know, being in than being a real estate agent. So, um, but yeah, happy to, um, happy to chat with anyone. And if anyone wants a better view of how we go about our business, I'm more than happy to sit down and chat with them. Fantastic. Well, mate, thanks for coming on and sharing your knowledge, mate. I really appreciate that. Not a problem. Thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, Simon Caulfield. Thank you for listening. Hopefully, you've learned something from today's episode and know the next steps to focus on in your business. Want more resources to jumpstart your journey? Click the link in the show notes to see what else I have to offer and book a call with myself to jumpstart your business and make shit happen. I specialize in helping people turn their passion into six-figure businesses to replace your nine-to-five through online education and high-ticket coaching. If this is something that interests you, you can reach out to me through any of my social media outlets in the description below.